Welcome back to another episode of Quarren Stream, yet another Cinesnob podcast. I am Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania. And we are joined today by comedian Brandy Brown. Uh, hello, Brandy. Hello. Thanks for joining us. Brandy, um, <laughs> I, was, I was describing to Cody earlier how, um, how I came to know you, um, and that is via two things. The, the main one being um, Heathcliff fandom. Yeah. Um, I read a, an article uh, a couple years ago on the outline.com uh, about Heathcliff being, the, the title of the article is The Best Internet is Weird Heathcliff Internet. And I believe you're the first interview in that uh, column. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. Probably. And... Uh, talking about um just the kind of strangeness that is uh the current modern run of heathcliff and you have a uh, a now defunct blog blog called heathcliff for why where you just sort of went through it um and made your observations on the comic cody is not a heathcliff fan yeah okay. i'm not a i've i have yet to be convinced by heathcliff <laughs> He thinks it's the uh, antithesis of comedy. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, it's fair. <laughs> how did how did you get into that and and started writing about it? Like, what what made you do that? Um, so I had a friend named Bill Steitler who randomly <laughs> just sent me a text one day, and he's like, or like an email or something, or maybe he just posted it on his Facebook. But he was just like, "Look at this comic," and it was the one where Heathcliff. It was like a Sunday comic, and Heathcliff had basically the heads of other like cartoon cats in a right. cabinet, and then he wore the Felix hat, and Grandma Nutmeg's like, he's feeling Felix, and then my friend was like, he keeps their heads in a closet, and then I was just like, this is insane, uh, and then I went <laughs> and I looked at other Heathcliff comics, and I was like, oh wow, this is this is wild, and then I just randomly just started blogging about it, I'm sure I was procrastinating for doing something. <laughs> But yeah, I just started blogging about it and just how ridiculous it was and how like half of it was like me analyzing it from like, this doesn't make sense. Like, let's pretend this is a real universe. And part of me is being like, what is this cartoonist doing? I, I, I'm not sure how old you are, um, but I, I grew up like watching the cartoon and reading like the, you know, the little digest books, I guess you'd call them. Yeah, I'm in my late 30s, so yeah. Okay, yeah, early 40s, so um yeah, it's 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 never it's not something I you know really remember. The cartoon is like, you know, a goofy 80s cartoon. Well, there um, were two of them, but yeah. Sure. The more the more famous one is the is the Heathcliff and the Cadillac Cats with the like two separate worlds of the junkyard, Cats in the Junkyard and um whatever the hell was going on there i my i think one of the fa my favorite things you were doing for a while randomly uh was messaging dming heathcliff comics to anthony scaramucci yeah so like i'm verified <laughs> on twitter and just because i applied at the right time i mean yeah you know i apparently have enough random articles written about me in this in minneapolis which isn't that hard to do but uh that they were like, oh, this is a person of note, I guess. Um, <laughs> so they, uh, so I was verified, and then like Scaramucci had this habit of just like following people randomly. He did like, it. He did it to me too. I yeah. got followed by Anthony Scaramucci, and he followed like a lot of verified people too. So I was just like, oh man, he's following me now. I want to like 
bring up serious stuff with him because it's like this administration is terrible uh but like i also <laughs> want to like just troll him and i just didn't know how to do it because i didn't want to like come out hot out of the game be like you're a fucking disaster of a person working for disaster <laughs> of an administration but i was like uh i don't know <laughs> what if i just like was nice to him but i also didn't want to be nice in a way that seemed like i was being like oh trying to like reach across the aisle or something so i was like <laughs> so i was like what would be funny okay i'll just send him heathcliff comics and then like just randomly like sandwich in like basically using the thing that i think it's like the criticism sandwich you're supposed to use where it's like uh compliment oh yeah and, criticism, oh, yeah. and then a compliment <laughs> so i would be like like I would put, I'd talk about the Heathcliff comic, whatever it was, and then I would just like insult his politics and his like, <laughs> tenure, and then I would like close with like a fun question, like "What's your favorite thing to draw?" <laughs> like, and I just kept sending it to him. He did not respond, but he also didn't like block me, and like I, it was pretty clear that, and I knew he had blocked other people, and I had a, a friend whose friend like got into it with him in dms over like you know like a serious conversation the person <laughs> got blocked so like he clearly was checking them periodically um but like i yeah i just kept sending him sending him sending them and then just one day you know he didn't like one day last year he had uh, i saw that he had unfollowed me and prevented me from sending more dms <laughs> he never replied but so apparently uh peter gallagher the non-actor peter gallagher the current uh, as his letterhead says, Guardian of Heathcliff, mm -hmm. I saw it and found it funny. Because I <laughs> so, tweeted it about it, too. So, so I, I'm under the impression, uh, maybe I'm wrong, I don't have a verified Twitter account um, because I got shut out. Um, so when, is it like Instagram when you're verified? Do you see the verified uh, messages like in a different fashion? Um, no, I mean, there's a tab. There's like, you know, your twitter like your timeline and then your mentions and then uh -huh. your you there's a separate verified tab where you can literally just see tweets from verified people okay. that's pretty useless because i would rather have a tab that just shows me people i actually follow their yeah. replies but yeah if you're just feeling like ooh, what famous people have seen my tweet and liked it then that's like <laughs> the only use of that tab and be like oh so and so retweeted me or it's also when you have like a tweet that just blows up weirdly and you're like why did that suddenly get a bunch of likes or responses and you can go to that tab and you're like oh so and so with that many followers just tweeted it out so that mm. would explain it so um you are a comedian in uh minneapolis um which has it's, it's probably been been one of the nicest places to be during the pandemic wouldn't you say um i mean <laughs> that i'm sorry that is uh, dripping with sarcasm i mean um, it hasn't been <laughs> honestly compared to a lot of other places i mean we have a lot of parks and we have a lot of outdoor space and so it's and oh i just meant the uh like civil unrest oh um, i mean from from I terrible atrocities oh really oh my gosh I, i'm sorry that i brought well, it back up and I mean, reminded you i you know i live like like across town from where that happened so and it was uh -huh. also such a concentrated area and like it was there were some people take like burning stuff near my neighborhood but it was like clearly some type of terrorism i have my suspicions on who did it specifically but i will not say on the podcast but there is a local biker gang that is well known internationally that actually if you google it on google maps has a clubhouse on my side of town and i suspect that they were involved we uh, do have a, a 
we do have a big biker gang following, so it's probably yeah, best uh, not to. But yeah, um, but you know, there were some like gas stations and like random stuff like over here where you're like, this is clearly not protesters. <laughs> this is just someone taking advantage. But it's also <laughs> very weird terrorism. But I mean, yeah, it was fine for the most part. I mean, it was really you no. Know, it's like yeah, most of the city was fine. I mean, honestly, it was like a concentrated area, and you know, we have. We had unrest, but it, it is nothing at all. Like, we just dealt with it in, like, three days for the most part. Just like, let's burn this shit down and then be done, as opposed to Portland going on and on and on and on. Yeah. And again, if you talk to people in Portland, they're like, most of us do not, you know, this isn't interfering in our day-to-day life. Yeah, that that's, I live in Austin, so that's what, it happens here, too. And people kind of, they paint you know, a, 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 you know, five square block radius of, of Austin. And they take that and, you know, put it out to the whole town when it's, you know, that's where all the protests are and that's where people gather and nothing else happens anywhere else. It's like all the, all the quote weird stuff in Austin is within like a, you know, (laughs) like less than half a mile of each other everywhere you go. Um, also, the other thing I wanted to talk about is um, you uh, are a former co-host of Bill Corbett's Funhouse, and that's how I also um, came to know who you were. Yep. Um, Bill Corbett, of course, um, from uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000 and uh, Rift Tracks. Um, also another fellow Minnesotan. Is that how you say it? Yep. Um, how did you uh, get connected with, with Bill? Oh, man. Um, I guess like years and years and years ago before I was like, you know, before I actually knew Bill, I was at working at my home comedy club Acme, and I was either opening. I was, I think, I was opening for Emo Phillips. I was hosting for Emo Phillips. Ah. And Frank Conniff was a feature, and mm-hmm. Bill claims it was a different comic, but I don't know. But he saw me in the audience. I may have met him. I don't know, but he saw me. He's like, "Oh, she's really funny." And then he would like recommend me for stuff, um, which I really didn't know. Like he, would, you know, be like, "Oh." Like I would hear that, like, "Oh, Bill Corbett recommended you. He really likes your stuff," and I was like, "Oh, cool," you know. And, um, you know, he was, like, friends with friends of mine. But, like, yeah, one day he was just sent me a message. Like, we followed each other. He's like, hey, uh, what's your email address? And he's like, I want to experiment and try this um, show. Do you want to be a co-host? Like, you know, the permanent co-host. And it's like, yeah. And he's just been a great champion for my career, honestly. And, you know, mm-hmm. treats his talent very well. He paid every guest he ever had on that podcast, including, really? like, Adam Savage, including Andy Kendler. He paid, it was funny. He was like, yeah, what's your PayPal? And Adam's like, what the fuck? No, I'm not taking your money. <laughs> um, but yeah, well, I'm sorry. We don't, have my, we don't have money. We don't have money. I'm sorry funny, to tell you. But he set up a model to do that. And, you know, he, uh, yeah, so, I mean, he's just really a good stand-up person like yeah so i you know he we he ended the podcast last january just because it's a lot to just do it independently and you know he had patreon people but it was just an experiment he had and you know he said it might come back you know in a different form or something but yeah there was no you know it was it wasn't anything bad that happened was that your first uh foray into podcasting regularly regularly no, I had a podcast years and years ago with Bill Steitler, who was actually on an episode of Bill Corbett's Funhouse, and uh, Bill Steitler's podcast. Is, Bill is like, at the time, was like a forty-something white dude. Uh, he's like slightly older now, obviously, but like, <laughs> is he still uh, a white dude? He's still a white dude. <laughs> okay. And, um, he's a big like movie guy and theater guy, and he was like, we just watched this show. Uh, we had a podcast called Brandy and Bill watch black exploitation and we would just watch, we'd go like, <laughs> hang out with him and I'd eat like, like 
because he was like uh he worked at a grocery store as like a cheesemonger so i just go to his house as, like, and like eat fancy cheeses and then watch black exploitation and drink and then we'd record the podcast and like i know nothing about movies really i don't really watch that many movies but like i was like what i brought to the table is i'm a black woman so i was like well that's my end and then we would just talk about it so i had that for like 13 episodes and then I'd been a guest on various podcasts over time. I mean, I've been listening to podcasts since they became a thing. Like, I was listening to Keith and the Girl in college, so in, like, 2006. But, like, wow. um, but I, so I'd been on podcasts, you know, over the years. But that was the first one where I was, like, regularly hosting. But, again, he paid someone to do production or anything. So I literally would just show up and, you know, record and do whatever prep I needed to do. But that's about it. Yeah, we do all of our own production, so... It's um it it's not it'd be nice to have a producer some at some point. Yeah. Mm. But, you know. You do such a great job though, Jared. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> um so uh tell us a little I I'm not very familiar with the Minnesota comedy scene. I do know that there's a lot of people either from there that 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 you know that's a, definitely a big stop. Is it like the Mall of America is that a big uh, what's the comedy club there? Is um, that that's well, not Acme, I mean is there it? is a comedy club there, House of Comedy, but the main comedy club or the a room if you want to call it is acme okay uh comedy company so that's in minneapolis proper um and yeah i mean we've got a pretty big scene i incidentally ended up doing comedy just because um in 20 in 2003 i was home from college and i need to make up a course i dropped so i took a class at a uh you know a college here um and it was comedy writing and it uh one of the things like go to a comedy club and there was a contest so i entered it just on a whim and did pretty well and so i you know would just enter the contest every summer and do nothing else and then <laughs> in 2009 i got to like the finals of that contest and then i just kind of started going to open mics again or regularly um so but we've got a pretty you know so it wasn't like a oh it was my dream to be a comic or anything i just incidentally happened to be good at it um but like yeah, we've got a pretty, you know, robust scene. I mean, pre-pandemic still. I, Acme has figured out how to do a hybrid thing where they have a small crowd live, but they Zoom most of their tickets. Um, I saw you, you did a, a Zoom, was it a Zoom show with, with Judah Friedlander? Yeah, weeks I opened ago? for him um, last year at some point. Uh, yeah, in person. And so, yeah, I have I have some upcoming ones with him, I think, too. I don't know when those will be, though. Uh, what but is- yeah, we've got a lot of, you know, people here <laughs> what's been your take on the on the zoom show experience i we've we talked to a couple people who have who have done it or have been thinking about doing it and then we've talked to some comics who were like no i'm, I'm not going anywhere near that how, how has that experience been uh it's actually i prefer to honestly uh, live comedy right now um <laughs> one obviously for safety reasons but two mm-hmm. uh it's actually like an expanded audience i get to work with people i don't normally get to work with i mean i'm in minneapolis so i've you know, done shows with like, you know, Josh Frolinger. I've been trying to do a show, one of his shows, but I never got out to LA. I've done shows with Judah Friedlanders in New York, Jackie Cations in LA. You know, I've, I've got friends all over. I've, I've been doing some shows with some people in Boston. Um, and so it's a bunch of people who haven't seen my comedy. And it's mm-hmm. also, I don't have to do the bullshit of going to open mics and being around people I don't particularly like and have to <laughs> worry about parking and just sitting there all night and waiting. And you just, you know, pop downstairs, pop into you know, my little studio and uh, do my time and leave and go about my day. And <laughs> it's fine. I, I prefer it. And also, honestly, it pays better. Um, 
most of the time. I mean, I've got, I've had some, you know, lucrative, like, you know, theater show gigs that obviously don't, you know, like, pay way better. But, like, yeah, because people, you can just put your Venmo up and people will tip. Yeah. You know, there was one show where I did 10 minutes and I got paid, like, 25 bucks from the host. And then I made, like, almost 200 total just because people were tipping. So, I think that, you know, if you don't want to go do it as a comic, that's fine. I don't care. But it, it's fun. I like it. I get to work with people I don't normally get to work with and I people get to see my comedy and I haven't been writing as much just because I haven't um, but you know I get to do stuff that people in the Twin Cities may have seen these jokes but most of the country hasn't mm-hmm. so where have you have you gone uh, you said you never made it out to LA for Josh Rulinger Josh Rulinger is um, for Cody doesn't know he's a big he's like the, the comics blogger uh, mm. and he has a, a comedy show in LA pretty regularly um is it some, have you, have you, I don't want to say toured cause that sounds strange, but have you been to other cities to do comedy? Yeah, I haven't traveled as much. I mean, I went to Sketchfest in 2019 with Bill and we did some shows there. And, oh, cool. Um, I went to, you know, New York a couple times, just sometimes I went out to New York just socially and then did some shows while I was there. Um, just cause a lot of my friends from college live out there. And then I, you know, I've toured up in the Midwest, some just basic road gigs, but I also toured briefly with Jim Norton. Um, oh, so, wow. you know, I haven't been to Chicago, I don't think yet. Like I haven't gone as many places with a lot of people, but I'm definitely like one of the go-to people for when, you know, tours come into town. So, and then Acme too is, I work with so many people that that's, you know, they'll just call Acme and be like, who could I work with? Um, but Yeah. That's cool. Um, so is it something that, um, you know, post-pandemic, you want to get back to doing more live? You know, when when everything is safe, let's say everything is safe, is it something you're eager to get back to? Um, yeah, I mean, I need to get back to it. I would like to, you know, work my way towards recording an album. I think at this point, I'm like 11 years in, I would like a capstone on that mm-hmm. period of my time. But, um, you know, I'm not in a particular rush to get back into live comedy because I think that that's probably one of the I've actually you know told people I'm like I'm not doing your live show unless it's outdoors and now we're getting into cold weather I'm not doing your live show <laughs> I, booked, um, I did book uh, something for February um, but it pays extraordinarily well and it's you know I know the person who's putting together the show and they're taking all the precautions and you know I put into my contract that I will be bringing my own mic and plugging my own mic in and oh, yeah. um you know, and I trust this person very much. So, and he's, you know, currently with the Minnesota Orchestra. So, you know, he's, they have their own precautions too. So it's, you know, I have a lot of shows I do with other arts besides comedy where I'm like, I'm the comic on the show. So yeah, I'll do, you know, like I'll do those shows, but I'm not going to you know, rush back into it. I mean, there are places that are doing it, but again, I, I also live at home with my mom. So who's older and yeah. I do not want to risk her getting sick, but also I just don't want to get sick. I don't want to get COVID. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think there's a there's a, a strange um, like mindset of people like in my age group. You know, I, I guess this late thirties, early forties, where it's you're kind of in this middle of being old and being young, where like I don't want to get like I'm not really scared of getting sick, but I don't. I definitely don't want to. Because yeah. it seems like such a toss-up. I'm scared of getting sick. I mean, even if I were younger, just because I've seen it just 
you know, mm-hmm. if you've got athletes who are like college athletes whose hearts are messed up from that, we <laughs> yeah. don't yeah. know what the after effects are. We don't know, like, if you had it mildly. I have a friend who caught it, and, you know, they work in, like, they work in a homeless shelter, and they mm. caught it in, like, March, but they had no symptoms. It was just, a, you know, they took all you know, the precautions. They were asymptomatic. And then it suddenly flared up in June. Like, it, they, they were not even showing a positive on the test, but they were having the shortness of breath. They were having the tiredness. And I'm like, I don't want a ticking time bomb in my system right. like that. Like, it, that's terrifying. Uh, so, you know, yeah, I just, whatever I can do to avoid, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I've you know people my age. I see like going out to to bars and stuff, and like I, we we do movie podcasts, obviously, and like I have no desire to go to a movie theater whatsoever because I just don't I don't trust other people. Yeah, and uh, I, I'm yeah. curious um, the the um, the show you say you're doing in February. Um, what sort of precautions is the host taking? Well, basically, since it's not all just comedy and it's like music and some of them are singers, some of them are, I think, you know, instrumentalists. Um, basically, you know, they it's in a theater. It's in a large theater space. Uh-huh. They're going to be recording it. Uh, but basically, they're going to have optimistically a very small audience. It's, there's plenty of space for them to spread out. But they're also going to... <laughs> excuse me. Um, they're also going to... Basically, if you're not performing, you're masked. Um, I honestly am probably just going to mask during my performance, but if you're not performing your mask and if you have any reason you have to have your mask off, like you're a singer or something, or you play an instrument, those people will be far away from the people, most people, um, you know, and if they feel like it's unsafe, they'll just scrap the audience part because again, it's going to be streaming. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, you know, it'd be a very small audience only to be like, so we have some, you know, sound and you're not just performing, but like it's fine you know, i can perform to the people there so you know they're allowing you know, you know separate mics i mean everything that they're doing making sure the ventilation's good in that space it's i i don't if anyone's going to be able to pull it off it's this person and you know if i don't feel safe i'll just pull the plug and that's that um but yeah are you gonna bring like a crazy nick cannon mic like custom no, I mic? mean it's a mic i'm using right now i have a shore sm58 it's just a standard plug-in you know oh. hundred buck mic but it's top of the line it, it's well, i was hoping it'd be like use. a like a gold-plated whatever <laughs> no just my uh, own mic because i mean i've done enough comedy where i've gotten sick off you know comics don't go to the doctor like if it's I, a pay it's a well-paid gig especially there was one new year's where all of us got sick and i think i was the ugh. only one who was just sick from like a sinus infection definitely because i was on antibiotics but yeah by the end of the week none of us could really talk so uh, you think that's how the so here in in san antonio that's how um there was a show, it was, Brian Callen was headlining. Oh, yeah, I've read that article. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and, and literally, the, all the comics working there were, like, got COVID after performing here. And, um, and, like, apparently what I was reading, I guess if you saw the article, they were all talking into the same mic. They were, like, fist bumping everyone there. They were, nobody was wearing masks. And, like, it's it just seems like it's such an easy thing to prevent I mean, you start by you start prevention by just not doing it. But like, if you're well, gonna I mean, do it, like, come on. They're especially like, so in Minneapolis, there's like a cap on how many people you can have in indoor mm-hmm. space, and so at Acme, it's like twenty five percent capacity, which is like what 
maybe fit like 200 and some people in that room. I don't know. But it's uh, so right then and there, that helps because there were 300 people in that room in San Antonio, mm-hmm. um, which uh, right then and there, that's a problem. Uh, nobody was masked. I assume that's a problem. Uh, in Minneapolis, you can remove your mask to eat or drink, which is why I do not want to do clubs right now. Uh, it's a comedy club. So, of course, it's not going to be like big open ceilings because that's how you have to make it like an intimate space so that's a problem Uh, but also just the fact that the people who should actually be wearing the masks well it gets weird with comedy because people are like laughing but the performers like if you've been on stage with a mic under lights you can see your spit like it's it's going Mm -hmm. everywhere um but i think the bigger issue is is probably they didn't get it from the mic they probably got it in the green room um I'm guessing and that's without knowing anything, but just like, you know, yes, the mics are gross and that yes, people with their mouth on it and they like touch their face and stuff, which is another reason I'd bring my own mic because I just don't trust myself not to zone out and touch my face. But, um, yeah, touring comics are a problem right now. There are a bunch <laughs> of them touring, but they're all coming into contact with stuff, coming into contact with people. They're in rooms with people laughing because they removed their, you know, mask to drink or eat in the club so it was just that particular thing was like like egregiously reckless but there's still a lot of things that even like the clubs that take precautions you can't make it that safe i never go ahead cody sorry i was just gonna say even where where you're at in austin jared they're not even open there to to my knowledge no they're i mean well cap city officially closed Yeah. yeah Um, and I think, um, the Velveeta room, I don't think is open. I don't know if any of the little clubs that kind of do it on the side are doing anything. Uh, Actually, a friend of mine was asking about that just the other day. And I, I don't believe anyone's doing comedy here at all. Cause I think we, we talked to, uh, a couple of local comedians here, Chris Cubis and, um, Vanessa, um, Gonzalez, and they weren't doing any live shows either. Um, yeah, it's... It's always been, um, you know, every every comedy club I've been in is very, very tiny, you know, when it comes to, you know, like, you know, it's a 10-foot ceiling and you've got a two-foot stage or whatever. And yeah. so it just seems like a, a, you know, a breeding ground for it. I never thought about how revolting the microphones would be. Oh, it's gross. It's disgusting. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, even when it's like cold season, I would sometimes just throw like a foam ball on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's gross and, you know, people will put their mouth on it. Some people like really gross people and, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's disgusting. It stinks. Like, ugh. Oh, gross. I'm so <laughs> disgusted right now by the thought of it. Like that reminds me of being in college radio. Uh, it was the, the microphone had a, a, you know, a windscreen on it, the foam windscreen and it smelled like cologne because I guess someone kept getting close to it that had cologne on, and it was it was revolting to think about. I feel like somebody possibly sprayed cologne on there. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Either way, it's not a good like I, whatever made it smell that way is not a good look. Like either either someone got too close to it, or it was it smelled like ass, and they decided the best way to fix it was some Dracar Noir or something. Yeah. Um. So let's kind of get to the to the meat of the show here, Brandy. Um, 
with uh, quarantine. You said you live you you your mom uh, live at home. Have you been watching TV together or any kind of streaming stuff together, or do you have your separate things that you're into? I mean, we have our separate things. We watch some things together, some things we don't. Like we don't plan to. It's just like if we're both in that space at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. But I, you know, we have separate TVs a lot, and so um, I, yeah, I watch a ton of TV. We have cable. And then I share passwords for various streaming services with my friends too. And they oh, that's so wrong! I would never yes. do that. Well, they all use my I, cable one too. I so. kid. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I basically, yeah, just a lot of TVs. I think I watched Booksmart maybe in March because also okay. like, my grandma died in March and she had like yeah. it was like she died literally the day the pandemic was declared, but a week before that she was they basically stopped dialysis and she was in the hospital and so. Mm. Um, I just like, I don't even remember really what, like I, I'm, I've never really been a movie person just cause like my ADD, like I, you know, I'll watch some movies. Um, but like, uh, yeah. So for like, um, like weeks between the time it took for her to, you know, slip into a coma and basically die. And then for like two weeks after I was literally, I couldn't handle anything but watching Veep over and over again and it was, oh. because everyone in that show is terrible. <laughs> I know what's going on, but it's funny, but it's like not going to be, I'm not going to like feel like sentimental or like sad or anything. So I was like, okay, these are terrible people and it's funny. I'll watch Veep over and over and over again. Uh, and then I kind of just started watching like some, I watched some Always Sunny and then I just kind of mm-hmm. branched into stuff. So yeah, I think I saw yep. Book Smart though. Yeah, my anxiety um, has been bad during this pandemic, so I've been watching like comfort stuff. Like I have not been able to get into anything new, so I'm watching old episodes of Mystery Science Theater 3000 all the time, uh, paired with like it's got to be like my fifth or sixth rewatch of The Sopranos. Mm, yeah, I watch also just I watch a lot of daytime. T- I watch a lot of PBS, a lot of, okay. like docu series, just because it's gentle and fine to be in the background. And then I watch a lot of. Uh, like Magnum PI, I've gotten in that. I watched Matlock, Diagnosis Murder. Basically, like I, my grandma <laughs> babysat me as a baby, <laughs> and as like a preschooler, and it shows. Um, <laughs> so I just watch like old people TV constantly. Um, but I also, you know, watch like I've I watched You're the Worst um, last okay. week. I binged it, and I was like, holy shit, yes, these people are the worst. But I love this show, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and I'll watch all sorts of stuff. I watch uh, Aerial America and Smithsonian. Um, oh, okay. That's you know, I just watch all sorts of random stuff. So, but I, I yeah. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I I, I was getting back into uh, modern Marvels on the History Channel. Oh yeah. If you've ever seen that, yeah, where it's I've just like those. a like a like a cheeseball docu series on like soda or whatever grocery yeah. stores. I remember, I saw Modern Marvels Rust. And oh. I was like, oh, this is rock bottom for me. <laughs> Rust? <laughs> How is that a Marvel? I mean, it is kind of. It's just like I forgot what was on it. But it's just you know oxidation. It's kind of crazy what happens when oxidation happens. So uh, yeah, I don't remember a ton about it, but it was it was cool. <laughs> I like the. Uh, I used to watch the History Channel all the time uh, because I didn't have cable proper, but I had uh, uh, the like the first iteration of like cable internet. And if you took the cable f- from your cable internet and like split it off and hooked it up to a TV, like some channels would still come in. Mm. And one of those was the History Channel, and that's how I ended up watching so much History Channel. Um modern marvels and then uh 
How It's Made. Have you ever seen that? Oh, yeah. That's like Sesame Street for grownups. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Um, I haven't seen that show in forever. What's that? I haven't seen that show in forever. I used to watch it all the time. I used to watch that, and I used to watch a lot of, like, like Discovery Channel, Mythbusters, and Dirty Jobs. Oh, I loved Mythbusters. I loved Mythbusters so much. I can't watch it now because it makes me sad that um, Grant passed away. Yeah. Which is a big bummer. Um, I mean, you know, among other thousands and thousands and thousands of bummers this year. Um, so, uh, you, we talked before the show, Brandy, and you told us kind of what you were in the mood for to watch. And you said, uh, like comedies, rom-coms, and you mentioned your uh, streaming services that you have. So, Cody and I have curated some picks for you. And uh, we're going to introduce them now. Cody, you want to go first? Yeah. Uh, uh, so for my pick, I went down the comedy route and um, uh, going with the movie from 2018 um, called Eighth Grade. It was uh, written and directed by comedian Bo Burnham. And uh, this is a movie that I saw because, Jared, you were at that screening, too. It was for Fantastic Fest, wasn't it? In 2018? Uh, I don't know. Because I remember you didn't have passes, but you came to the press screening, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, um, a really... I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, so it's it's a really funny, but really kind of um, like awkward watch, um, basically about an eighth grade girl who's sort of struggling uh, to get acceptance and um and basically does video blogs um that where she's sort of like projecting a, a much more confident person and and it sort of follows her around for um you know a bunch of uncomfortable moments um in her life and it's got a great um father-daughter relationship her father is played by Josh Hamilton and it's a and it's a great thing and it's just one of those things where you know i appreciate movies with comedic voices that feel um different in, in, in ones that feel like, you know, d- don't feel like a generic thing that anyone could have made. And I think it really comes through Bo Burnham's sense of humor. Um, and, um, yeah, it was, it was just a movie that I really enjoyed kind of caught me off guard. And, uh, and it's just, again, it's really uncomfortable to watch sometimes because the, the, the girl who plays it, her name's Elsie Fisher, uh, really sells it well. And it's a really great performance from her. And, um, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a funny funny movie, but also really sweet, and um, uh, I, I really liked it the year that it came out. So I'm going with Eighth Grade. Do you know? Have you met Bo Burnham uh, or worked I, with him? I haven't met him or worked with him, but I'm familiar with him. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Uh, that reminds me, and I think Cody, I sent you a picture of it when uh, my wife and I were in Japan for our honeymoon. Oh yeah. The cabs were advertising uh, Eighth Grade showing there in Japan, and I really feel like it's a like it's a movie that wouldn't translate to japan because it's a very american experience but i guess it did i don't know all right brandy my movie i'm going to recommend to you is a movie called knives out uh from last year uh written and directed by ryan johnson who is uh rather infamous or famous if you prefer for his work on uh star wars the last jedi which he wrote and directed which kind of broke star wars fandom i think for for good um it turned people against each other it um made um you know this this multi-billion dollar franchise into something that people swore off forever and i mean it's it's ugly what happened with that um but i i've i was a big fan of of the last jedi um i'm a fan of 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 uh, ryan johnson's previous work um 
So this is a uh, sort of murder mystery movie um, f- uh, about a, uh, a, a this patriarch of a family who ends up dead. Um, you've got a great performance from uh, Daniel Craig as like a Louisiana lawyer. I'm sorry, sorry, Louisiana detective. Um, shit, what is his name, Cody? I forget. Uh, 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 Benoit, ben- Blanc. Benoit Blanc. Yeah, there we go. Um, Ana de Armas is... Um, plays a big role uh you've got jamie lee curtis chris evans um uh michael um what's the tall michael god damn it michael shannon michael shannon johnson don johnson uh uh uh, shit lakeith stanfield is in it lakeith stanfield um uh the one we just saw in spontaneous shit why am i forgetting oh oh man (laughs) <laughs> who was in 13 reasons why yeah we just talked about her a few days ago um do you know what we're talking about uh brandy have you seen either of those things <laughs> yeah uh, uh Catherine langford sorry yeah. yeah anyway um it's a really fun movie uh i believe uh, it was nominated for best original screenplay which i think it lost to parasite right cody yes yeah anyway um yeah, it's a, it's a really fun movie and that's um it's 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 very clever and it's uh it's kind of like a you know, sort of a clue type movie. It's it's a comedy uh who done it sort of thing. Yeah, so that's my recommendation. Um so choose from one of those two. Don't tell us what you're going to pick and uh we'll talk about it on the next episode. So Brandy, you have a suggestion for us, right? Uh, yeah, I suggested uh, my favorite movie of all time, The Devil Wears Prada. Oh. Uh, it is a, based on a book, which it's one of those movies that is way better than the book. Uh, it's fi- oh, really? The book was fiction, written by like Lauren like Weisberger or something like that. I don't know her name. Uh, and she actually did work for Anna Wintour as her assistant, but then wrote like a fictionalized thing about you know the movie and like Anna Wintour is kind of just this like cold monster and uh dominates the you know fashion industry and so there's a the movie it's a comedy uh, it stars Meryl Streep and uh um Anne Hathaway Anne Hathaway Stanley Tucci Emily Blunt I think that was Emily her big Blunt, breakthrough yeah. cool um Cody have you seen The Devil Wears Prada I have not well then I somehow missed missed it it's uh it's older than I thought it was. I'm looking at it, it's 2006, so it's been a long time. Oh wow. Uh cool. So we will watch that. Brandy Brown, thanks for joining us. It's nice to finally uh talk to you. We've talked on Twitter and wherever before, so Yeah. Um, and you know, it's nice to um to bombard Cody with more Heathcliff stuff cuz he hates it so much and you know, it's it's a whole, you know, you were talking earlier about it being a trolling tool and i can attest firsthand from jared that it is an excellent trolling tool because it pisses me off every time <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah so uh brandy um are you, you got anything you want to plug coming up uh no not really <laughs> i really don't have anything coming up i don't think oh so just, actually no it's actually um i have a kid's podcast well i was on a kid's podcast season three i've been on it for previous seasons called smash boom best uh, through minnesota public radio american public media it is a kids podcast debate show and i oh cool um i was on two episodes the past each you know season one and two and then season three just started 
Um, so you can find that Smash Boom Best. I I only did one episode this season, but it's on. Uh, I'm debating penguins versus pandas, so it's a really fun. Mm. Ooh, yeah, that is a tough one. Um, you can also follow Brandy on Twitter at it's the Brandy, and that is Brandy with an I. Um, you can find us uh, on our other shows, uh, the Cinesnob Podcast, where we review uh, new release films. Uh, right now, that's all VOD stuff, so come one, come all. Bring whatever VOD crap you got, and we'll review it. Um, also, uh, ReMCU, where we're, we are re-watching the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. Um, we're hoping to get that started again, because I've been a little lazy. Sorry, mm-hmm. Cody. Yep. Um, Cody, you have another show? Yeah, I've got uh, some shows um, with comedians Jerry Rocha and Eddie Pence. They're, it's called The Ramble, so we have The Ramble Radio uh, on Tuesdays and Fridays, Regular Ramble on Wednesdays, and then on Thursdays we have a show called Good Willow Hunting, where uh, we talk about and go through movies that I have not seen yet that are near and dear to Eddie and Jerry's hearts. Uh, so this week, um, or this past week, we, we uh, did Full Metal Jacket, um, which I had not seen. And then coming up next, we will be doing um, the combo of, of Midnight Run and Tango and Cash. Oh, wow. Um, all right. Well, um, Brandy, thank you for joining us. Yeah. And uh, we will talk to you uh, very soon. Uh, I'm Jared Kingery. And I'm Cody Viafania.